This podcast is edited and partly recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello everyone, welcome to Books Without Borders, the podcast where two people in different hemispheres come together to talk about our favourite things, books. I'm Emma. And I'm Nina. And it has been another unexpected break. We've not spoken for two weeks. I had an unexpected wisdom tooth yanking. Oof. So, yeah. I was not in a position to be speaking into a microphone the first week, and in the second week I was in full-blown recovery mode. Was not doing an awful lot of much, really. Couldn't even read for a little while there. My brain was basically soup. But I'm back now, and I've even had... An exciting thing happened in my week this week. It's actually me who's been to a concert uh, this week. I went to see Ghost in concert. I don't Have you heard of Ghost, the metal artist? I haven't. I haven't. I don't listen to much metal. They're a metal artist from Sweden and they're very cool. And we had a fantastic time. My roommate and I went to see them. It was a birthday present to me from my roommate. So yeah, we had a fantastic time. My body hurt a lot by the end of it, especially <laughs> since Melbourne delivered some particularly Antarctic winds. Uh, <laughs> so my joints were absolutely frozen by the time we actually got home. But it was a really great night overall, and I'm very, very glad that I've actually got to go see a concert again since, you know, the last one we saw was just before COVID hit. So it's been really, really cool to get back out there. Oh, that's so lovely. I've missed talking to you. I'm so excited to be talking again. (laughs) (laughs) We've texted here and there, but... How's your last two weeks been? My last two weeks... Has it been two weeks or has it been three weeks? It's been two weeks. It's just been a very long two weeks, I feel like. It's been a long two weeks. Yeah. I don't even know where I was two weeks ago. Or, wait, no, actually, I think it's been, it's technically been three weeks since we last spoke. We skipped two weeks. So, oh, yeah, okay, I yeah. think it has right. technically been three weeks. You're right. Yeah. What has even happened? I've just, I've continued with classes. I've been doing a lot of reading. A lot That's of reading good. for classes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just life, exploring mm-hmm. Tokyo, mm-hmm. you know, gossiping with my girls in the mm-hmm. dorm. We've been having a very silly semester of yeah. dorm life. I don't know, like, I, I remember I did, I dormed in my freshman year of college, as I've said before, and it's kind of this funny return to that moment in time. Nice, nice. And we've just been having so much fun with it. It kind of feels like pseudo high school, like, we'll just, mm-hmm. like, sit in the kitchen and, like, gossip all day, and I love it, because, like, what's the harm? You know, it's just, like, <laughs> we're here for two months, we might as well create some drama and gossip and <laughs> have some fun. Nice, um, nice. I've, <laughs> I've been going out a lot at night. I've been clubbing a lot, which is something I don't usually do, Mm. but I've been doing a lot of that lately. I've been dancing in general, like Mm. in the mornings. I don't know. I've just been in a very dancey mood lately. So that's been a big (laughs) thing for me lately. So yeah, I've been going out. I've been with friends, you know, all the lore of (laughs) of college life. Good, cool. It sounds (laughs) like a nice energetic time. Yes, yes, definitely. I'm really, really enjoying Tokyo and I'm enjoying um, my friend hell i have a poltergeist (laughs) something just fell on its own i don't even know what just happened that was weird very strange have you interacted with this ghost before uh i don't think so (laughs) making a first appearance the dog next door just barked as well so hmm Hmm. suspicious very suspicious anyway sorry uh (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty much that's been my life as of late, you know. Dancing, friends, gossip, drama, fun times, just doing silly little things for no reason, having a great time doing it. Cool. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> So you said you've been getting a lot of reading done. Do you want to dive in with your first finished book? Sure. So as I said, I've been doing a lot of reading for personal reading and a lot of reading for school. And for school, I had to read two manga. So Mm -hmm. I thought that would fit in the category of books I would report on. Maybe not in my textbook reading, but like this was more like manga reading. Yeah, totally. I read the first two volumes of Phoenix by Osama Tezuka. Mm-hmm. And I read it for like post-war art history class. We focused a lot on like manga and anime at the beginning of the class, which was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't read any of his manga before. Was very excited to get into this one. So brief description of this series is that it's 12 volumes of these like independent stories that bounce back and forward in time. So like far in history, like ancient times and far in the future and like sci-fi sort of vibe. And they play on certain themes like reincarnation, and technology in the modern age and existentialism and anti-war sort of sentiment Hmm. really interesting to learn about especially like in the context of like the class and like as it is you know somewhat a response to the authors or the illustrator they call it mangaka here, like someone who makes manga. Mm. So the mangaka's experience growing up post-war. It was very, very interesting. The first one that I read, it takes place in the past and it sort of follows the story of this boy who his village is attacked by some neighboring group and he's taken by that neighboring group and trained to be an archer so that they can catch the phoenix because the queen of their tribe or their kingdom i guess wants this phoenix blood to like be immortal so it talks a lot about mortality and the vain attempt to overcome mortality and that's a theme that comes back in every book because you know it's called phoenix and so this phoenix appears in each installment and it's always a way for people to try and exceed their humanness i don't know Mm. if that's the (laughs) word i'm looking for i might be a little bit jumbled today in my speech but hopefully i'm making this clear enough (laughs) it's like a recurring theme of this phoenix being something that everyone's searching for in vain almost because mm-hmm. it doesn't ever produce the results that they want it to. Right. So is it is it kind of a way to pursue becoming like superhuman? Right. Well, like immortal or like to stop aging or to like oh, become I more see. beautiful, you mm-hmm. know, to like become more than human. So like superhuman. Right, right. And okay. it's, it's a lot of the time these stories sort of follow a group of people who are trying to overcome their humanness or become superhuman, but ultimately it ends in like death and destruction Mm. and it's like all for naught you know like that's the reoccurring theme in these manga kind of fairy tale vibes i like it (laughs) yeah yeah so the second one was like a sci-fi one which i actually liked a bit more so the first one was called dawn and the second one was called future and it had more of a sci-fi vibe it took place in the far future it followed this officer of the military in this future city who defected because he was commanded to kill off his alien girlfriend because they were trying to like get rid of these aliens and he didn't want to do that so he sort of like ran away and while he's like on the run the different cities in this future world they sort of go to war because they can't agree on whether to capture the fugitive or not 
you know, and return him mm. to his city. And so while he's running away, the world kind of like destroys itself in this like futile attempt to find this guy who's like hiding out with his alien girlfriend. And it's about him, the girlfriend, and this mad scientist and some other characters that are like alone in the world together. It, it kind of, it, it has, these have crazy plots. So it's really difficult to explain in just a few words or like in a simple way. And a lot of the time, I think for manga and graphic novels as well, like I find that the plot because it's such a short time span that you get in like a visual media like this, the plot isn't as important. It's like more about the experience of reading it, you know? Like I could probably explain the entire plot and not be so worried about spoilers, especially because it's like, these are each individual installments that don't build on each other necessarily. I mean, there's some like running threads, like there's reincarnation of like a certain character who appears in multiple volumes or like the ancestor of a character in different volumes. But in general, they have like individual stories that like, even if you know the entire story going into it, you'll still enjoy it because it's about like the visual experience and the like themes and concepts that are explored it's very philosophical mm. this was like his magnum opus you know this was his last work before he died it wasn't actually completed and so for the class we had to like pick a manga series that we wanted to read a few volumes of and report on and just sort of like present to the class and my friend and I chose this one because we thought it represented his work really well and like the evolution of his work and maybe some like deeper concepts and ideas. He's also famous for Blackjack, which you might know, or Jungle Emperor, which is I'm pretty sure what The Lion King is based on. And that was my first two books that I completed this week, Phoenix Dawn and Phoenix Future. Cool. I don't think I'm going to be completing the series personally because I don't think manga format is for me. I think okay. I have a hard time with the visual format, mm. despite the fact that I am an art history student. I don't know why. I have a hard time with it. So Is this also, I assume, black and white? Yes, this is also yeah. black and white. I'm wondering whether you do have trouble with the black and white because hmm. as someone who's so strongly invested in color as mm. a medium, I do wonder whether that's something that you like strongly feel is missing Especially as someone who's so used to color in graphic novels. You know, I would say the thing I look forward to the most when I open a graphic novel is the color. Mm. So, like, not having the color is definitely a bummer. I, it also, like, it is so much longer, so I understand why they're not colored. But at the same time, even when I go to a graphic novel that's beautifully colored, I find that... I'm less engaged with the actual story or the writing and mm. more engaged with like the art style. Yeah. So I just think that I think of like stories and art as separate, which actually that's not even true because I think about stories and art all the time, but you know what I mean? I have a hard time reading it. I think that's what it is. Like mm. I never know where to put my eyes in the right order and I always feel like I'm going back and it like mm. takes me forever even though he would think it takes less time. So I think that's that fair. like frustrates me and gets me, I, I, have not, I don't have the patience for it, I think. I would that's rather fair. just like go from line to line in that's text. fair. Yeah, that, that's fair. It's definitely not something that comes necessarily naturally to all brain types, and that's completely fine, you know? Like, there's a reason you know, that, that it is slightly more niche <laughs> than yeah. reading general books, you know? That, and it's just harder to produce them. <laughs> but it's, you know, completely understandable. That It doesn't have to be your thing. If it's not gelling, it's not gelling. That's completely fine. Yeah, like, I'm glad I picked this up, and I'm glad I'm learning more about manga, like, culture and history and stuff. It's very fascinating to learn about. I just don't think it's the media for me. Yep. 
totally fine. So what was your first completed book during this long three-week period? (laughs) My first book is actually one that I wrote a review for for onlinebookclub.org. Now, normally I don't report these in the completed reads section because I just direct people to the review. However, something interesting happened with this book. Please tell. (laughs) And that was that I wrote the review It was published by the moderators on the website. The moderators said, yep, this review's great, let's publish it. And then a week later, the author (laughs) asked that it be removed, Hmm. which I did not know was a thing that the authors could do. But I suppose that on a platform where the authors slash publishers, you know, in this case, the author is the publisher, can, you know, put forward a little bit of money to ask for an official review, it kind of does make sense that this platform is not a Goodreads or a Storygraph. And, you know, Goodreads actually has some balance problems as well. But, you know, it's not like Storygraph where it's just a collection of data and let's see what the average rating is. It's actually more a selling (laughs) website because obviously this publisher went, oh, probably don't want this out here, huh? (laughs) I still got paid, so I'm not mad about it. Okay, that's what's important. But clearly the publisher didn't like the one out of five that I gave it. And (laughs) yeah, I wouldn't either, to be fair. (laughs) So yes, in more specific rating, I gave this a 1.5. It is my new lowest rating of the year so far. So wow. Yeah. Bummer. The name of this book is The Confabulations of Toulouse Le Chat. And since the review is no longer published and has been removed by the author, I'm going to just talk about it anyway because I'm not posting the review anywhere else because I'm not allowed to, but I feel like I should at least be allowed to talk about the book because the author shouldn't be allowed to stop a reviewer from giving an honest opinion about a book, in my opinion. So here I am giving my opinion about this book. It's not going to be me just reading out the review because, again, I'm not allowed to do that. (laughs) But I will be telling you my thoughts on this book the way I normally would for any other book. So here we go. The Confabulations of Toulouse Le Chat by Richard Treblecock. Interestingly, I noticed when I was looking it up later that the versions of it that are published online look like they're the second edition, and the one I was reading was the first edition. So mistake number one, why are you sending edition one to reviewers? Weird choice. But anyway, so this book from the title and the picture of a cat on the cover sounds and looks like it's going to be about, you know, a cat making observations about human life, providing a unique perspective on human behaviour. That's what you expect from this book. And the reality of that... Sounds lovely. (laughs) Yeah, I was very excited to read this. I was like, oh, this sounds like it'll be cute and fun. The reality of it is very different. The prologue of the book indicates that it's like a collection of four short plays as remembered by the cat... But the prologue is the only section that's written clearly in the cat's own voice. What? Making the What? Yeah, making the choice like the choice of the title is extremely puzzling. The only other mention of Toulouse is in the acknowledgments section. No. Yes. Oh um, god. The prologue itself consists of like a single paragraph, which is like only one or two sentences each paragraph, introducing each of the four plays. And they don't make sense on their own, so they really probably should have been put, like, before each of the plays anyway. It's all just really weirdly done and really weirdly laid out. The dialogue throughout the entire book is, like, really clunky and unnatural, so heavy on exposition. 
even for play form, it went way beyond the acceptable level of exposition. And hmm. the choice of play format was also like just a really odd choice, considering that in the in the stage descriptions, the so-called stage descriptions, the author was providing really detailed notes outside of the dialogue, like, you know, things like just stuff that would be entirely unknown to a viewing audience, like backstory on characters and stuff like that, that just was right. never explained in dialogue. That's like, well, if these are plays, how the hell are people... So there was too much exposition about what's actually going on and already explained in the dialogue. And then all this backstory that's not explained. I'm like, what is going on? And... There's two, like, the first two plays include extra characters and passing storylines that just are not explored enough to warrant their inclusion. The entire book is in desperate need of professional proofreading. It's just stunning amounts of extra or missing words and so many grammar errors. Like, I just incredible amounts of grammar errors and like I mean I appreciate the effort that the author has gone to writing anything you know writing things is hard but like I just found when you have to include that in your review I know. that means it's a bad I book know. I found it so I found so little to recommend it it's just like bad editing clunky repetitive dialogue unnecessary and misleading cat related title confusing <laughs> choices in the writing style and the formatting was awful there's really not that much to redeem it. I mean, and then the plays themselves, okay? So play one is, like, depicting the aged care system at its worst, which, by the way, I immediately had a flashback to the other not-good book I read. Right. So I was like, oh, no, I'm back. I'm back in it. <laughs> I was not expecting this. And with an overseeing administrator who cares about, like, nothing but the bottom line, that's the only, like, 1.5 stars that this book got was some of the, like, nursing home stuff was kind of poignant. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much all it's got. What's <laughs> that? And, like, the fact that it was, like, posing a, a risk to the health and safety of people in her care. That's pretty much the only points that this entire book got. That has nothing to do with a cat. No. Irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's also, in that same story, a really weird, like, Nazi POW subplot that's, like, I won't spoil it in case someone decides to read this for some reason, but, like, it kind of links back in, kind of, sort of, but it's very weird. Not a cat in sight. Then you've got <laughs> play number two which features a college hockey player who's also an excellent physics student. And then it veers very dramatically into the realm of science fiction. And he takes a very drastic approach to revenge against a large company for something in a very weird way in a book that's otherwise got no science fiction in it at all. And there's still no cats. And then we've got <laughs> the third one, which is called The Potato Wars, and it's about as silly as it sounds. It's set in the midst of World War II, and a German family receives a letter from the Canadian government informing them that their family member has died in a prisoner of war camp due to a potato-related accident. And it's about as stupid as it sounds, and not in a way that makes it funny. No cats involved. And <laughs> then in play number four of four... We're back in, like, a different nursing home setting. Two residents are curious about the origins of a painting. The person that they need to ask about the origins of the painting is someone who's, like, incredibly racist. And so they have to deal with the complications of that whole scenario. And it ends oddly as well. And once again, there are no cats. So, you know, I just... Disappointment after disappointment. I just was confused 
and disappointed the entire way through. And I cannot recommend this to anyone, but it was the most entertaining review I've ever written. <laughs> so I'm sad that I can't put it for you guys to read, but I did pretty much just summarize all of it. So yeah, that was an experience. I'm glad I at least got paid a little for it. Not enough, quite frankly, for the amount of brain numbing it gave me. It was very short, at least. Yeah. But, oh boy. <laughs> I, um, You're like, not only would I not pay for this book, I need to be paid to read it. Yes, thankfully I was. So, yeah, cannot recommend. <laughs> I actually have a recommendation for you oh, to yeah. sort of redeem this loss, oh, yeah? you know, of a book. Please. Um, if you're looking for a book from the perspective of a cat, I've recently learned about a book of this kind that is very well renowned. It's written by Natsume Soseki, who's one of the like foremost modern writers that I've learned about in my literature course of Japanese literature. His debut novel was called I'm a Cat, and it's from the perspective of a cat. And I've heard very good things. I've read an excerpt of one of his novels, Bochan, and really, really liked the writing style. He's a very well renowned author, and it's a good thing to just like a classic to read, you know, if you're interested, especially if you're interested in like Japanese literature. Mm -hmm. So and if you're looking for a book about a cat, that one, I'm very confident that the entire thing is from the perspective of a cat. So I think it would redeem your experience. Excellent. I'm adding that to my TBR right now. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. It's also quite short. I think it's like 150 pages or something like that. I'm looking at a, a three volumes in one because there's three volumes of it is 480 pages, but that is the mm. three volume version, so which I would probably read, let's be real. <laughs> I hear it's very good. I hear it's very whimsical and fun. Excellent. Sounds good. I am adding that to my TBR right now. Thank you. No problem. I'm, I'm very curious to see what you think of it because I am actually, and I'll be talking about this later, but I'm actually going to be reading. Uh, I don't know if I, I haven't started it, so I'm not going to count it as a currently reading mm -hmm. actually. So I'm going to next pick up another book by him, Kokoro. So okay. I do want to read more of his work because I really liked what I did read, mm -hmm. but I don't know if I'm going to pick up that one just because I kind of want to read one of his more like traditional works, mm -hmm. you know? Cool. Nice. Who knows? If I really, really like his writing, maybe I'll go back to I'm a Cat. If you really, really like it, then maybe I'll read it as well. We'll see. <laughs> nice, nice. Do you have another book for us since I gave you two? Sure, why not? So the next one I finished was the Gumption Club pick for September, which was The Reader on the 627 by Jean-Paul Didier Laurent, translated by Roz Schwartz. This is a fiction contemporary it's an interesting one. It's like the first half of it's a contemporary, the second half is a romance, which honestly is my number one complaint about this book is that it very much feels like it's split in half. Mm. And for a short book, that's an odd choice. I did enjoy this overall. I gave it four stars. But as you know, for me, that's a very kind of, it's the lowest end of I enjoyed this. <laughs> right. Mid. It's, it's. <sighs> Uh, it's, it's above mid like it's like I did enjoy it and I would recommend it still but it's it's you know I had enough problems with it that I couldn't bring myself to give it more than that and right. the main problem was with the romance half so the premise of this story is that the main character is a guy who works in a book pulping factory which is a job that he absolutely loathes it's a place where like books that have been unbought go to die essentially he absolutely hates working there that's so sad yeah and it really is and there's all these wonderful poetic passages about the machine being a monster and all these kinds of things it's really well written and one of the few pleasures he has 
is every day on the train, the 627 train, he reads aloud from pages that he saves from the jaws of the machine. Just random pages. It could be a cookbook, it could be just a random romance novel or whatever he grabs. And people start just listening and the regular commuters really look forward to it and stuff like that. Oh, I love that. That's so sweet. It is. And there's there's lovely moments in the middle. Some elderly women ask him to come read for them and they're like it's like a really lovely it's a really lovely heartwarming story and I really enjoyed the first half of it but then there's the other half which is a little too French for my taste let's put it that way so that's <laughs> um in, this expand. in the nicest way possible so basically he discovers one morning a USB stick with the diary of and this is not a spoiler it's like in the description for the book because it's like the main romance plot he discovers the diary of a woman on a USB stick and he starts reading that <laughs> to people on the train. Wait, what does a USB stick have anything to do with a pulp factory? He finds it like on his usual seat on the train. Oh. But like someone's clearly just like left it there, like lost it there. And he starts reading it the same way he reads all the other stuff. And out like, loud? Well, at first to himself, but then I'll have <laughs> some of it oh, out loud. Oh, Lord. Yeah. I know. And Vio. I know. It's a bit weird. It's a bit creepy. And then he and one of his friends like make it their mission to like find her mm. because mm -hmm. he's starting to fall in love with the idea of her from the oh, words. Yep. And I'm like I just love to do that. <laughs> it's they just love the idea of women. Exactly. I won't say what happens, obviously, because spoilers, but like I've added it's, this to my TBR. I'm sold. <laughs> it's good. It's worth reading. The writing is really, really beautiful. Obviously, the translating's been done really well from the original French, and it is worth reading, but the romance half of it uh, definitely didn't grab me as much as the other half. Right. Because there was a voice in my head the whole time being like, dude, stop. Just stop. Right. <laughs> just, just stop. Creepy man, be less creepy, please. And like, there's a couple of moments where he tries to justify itself of like, oh, I just want to give the USB stick back, but like, no, you don't. You, you don't. don't need to and also, to the it, vast too. majority of the time, he is admitting to himself that he's falling in love with this woman. <laughs> so like, right. even though I wanted to give this back to her thing, he doesn't even mention to himself that often. It's like he's not even trying that hard to convince himself that that's what he's doing. Right. He wants to, like, it's it, it's literally in the blurb for the book, by the way. None of this spoilers. It literally says, Guillaume finds himself falling hopelessly in love with their enchanting author. That is in the blurb for the book. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Just a heads up for one of those things where it's like a rom-com type story of, like, is this romantic or is this creepy? The answer is, does the girl like it? Right. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. That's a very fine line between romantic gesture and incredibly creepy is whether the girl reciprocates. <laughs> right. Yeah. Of course. Same. And that's the great mystery of the book. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, like I said, very beautifully written. The atmosphere is described really well. Generally, there's a lot in the early half and towards the middle of the book, especially, that does have a lot to recommend it. So if people are less icked out by the romance than I am, go for it. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, I, I definitely want to give it a shot because it sounds interesting in concept, so we'll see. And it is very short. It's, I think it's technically a novella. I think I looked it up and it was on the borderline and it's like technically a novella. And the uh, audiobook was quite good. Narrated by a dude with a French accent, so that was nice. <laughs> nice. Love that. Yeah. Love a French accent. Yeah. 
Yep. Cool. So what's next up for you? Next up for me is a personal read. I finished Diary of a Void by Emmy Yagi. Oh, yeah. Translated by Lucy North and David Boyd. Mm-hmm. This was a very interesting read. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, okay. Something I'm noticing with the Japanese translated literature is, gosh, it really depends on that translator, you know? Mm-hmm. I am reading a different one, which I'll talk about when I get to my currently reading, that doesn't have super strong translator. This one, I think, was sort of in between between and I'm getting a sense of like what the translation could be like from all of the different like short stories and excerpts I'm reading in my literature class and it's really a toss-up because you know sometimes the translator will compromise a certain element of the voice of the original author in order to make the reading experience more like easy and Mm. enjoyable and like clear you know Mm. and I this is a controversial take probably but I prefer that kind of approach and kind of prefer that in conservation in general as well when the restorer the translator preserves the experience of the book rather than the literal not literal but like the more direct translation Mm -hmm. because even if I'm getting a lot of voice from the translator yeah I find it to be more enjoyable and mm-hmm. like, it's hard because so this one I think was a bit in the middle because I think what has isolated me from Japanese translated literature in the past and still can with certain translations is that the sentences are much choppier. I think like they're shorter sentences. I don't, I'm not actually taking a Japanese language class, which it would be interesting to take. I just didn't have space for it. But I think their sentence structure is choppier just from what I'm sort of picking up. And it makes narrators feel a little bit more like distant you know, or like mm-hmm. not as personal. Like I, maybe it's just a personal taste kind of thing, but I like a meandering sentence. You know, I like a stream of consciousness, like mm-hmm. developed thought with like layers and complexity and stuff. And maybe that's just not something to look for, particularly in Japanese literature. Although I don't know if that's entirely true because I have read some that has that kind of writing. This one did not. This was very choppy, but this is also a contemporary book and a contemporary translation. So on one hand, I felt like there was a bit of distance between me and the narrator. For that reason and for others, of course. To maybe restate the plot, because it has been a while since I described this to you, it's the story of a woman who, while feeling alone and unrecognized, unappreciated, she decides to fake pregnancy. Right, yeah. And it's about the journey she goes on and like how she manages to hide it or whatever mm-hmm. or like what she does when it becomes like no longer she can't hide it any longer so anyway that's a story and I have a hard time in general with plots like this where the main character the narrator is like hiding some big secret or has like a fake relationship or a fake pregnancy or a fake whatever because my immediate thought is oh this person doesn't have genuine close relationships with her friends or family that's unrelatable you know like mm-hmm. how do you not tell your friends and family like I don't know I've never come across a book that has this kind of gimmick that really complexly addresses the turmoil of hiding that kind of secret from someone that you're generally very like authentically Mm. open with you know and have like good relationships with your friends or family she doesn't have like her family is almost not an obstacle actually not even almost it's not an obstacle in this book at all because she barely talks to her family Mm. she doesn't have very many friends and so it kind of made it a little bit difficult for me to relate to it or to make it feel realistic You know, because even if you don't have a lot of close relationships, I felt like there was an element of what should have been a challenge that was missing. 
You know, Mm -hmm. like, this should have been more challenging for her to hide because if she had those relationships, then she would have had to, like, come up with more. Or, or like... But if she had those relationships, would she have had to do any of this in the first place? This is true. Would she be mentally stable enough to not fake her pregnancy? Would Mm -hmm. she, you know, be searching this sort of validation and recognition? This is a great question. I was able to enjoy, ultimately, like, the feeling of being inside her sort of messed up mind. Or, like, you know, she's an unreliable narrator, so it's hard to talk about about this without spoiling or even suggesting spoilers so I'm not going to talk too much about like mm-hmm. the direction it goes in or like I'm just going to say that the narrator is very unreliable and it makes it very fun and mm. the intrigue level was high throughout mm-hmm. the book and that's what I think tied me to it the most mm-hmm. it took turns that I didn't expect it wasn't totally I would say you can't predict it because it's almost hard to know what happens mm. like it's that unreliable you know mm. you could probably debate with people about what actually happened in the book which is an interesting trait yeah nice i like that totally makes me want to read it so we can talk about it yeah no totally i would love to know what you think happened when did you end up writing it i ended up reading it four stars so a recommended book well written very intriguing strong character in its composition but i didn't feel like a personal attachment Mm. I actually, for the first time in a while, wrote a pretty significant review on Storygraph. Mm. I haven't been writing reviews, and I've even had a really hard time, like, keeping up with my call pile, just because, you know, I've been reading books and forgetting or, you know, not prioritizing it or whatever it is, like I was at the beginning of the year, you know, writing more extended reviews. Mm. But it was fun to write a review for this one, and I want to get in a better habit of it because I think it will help me to, like, retain the memory of it better. Mm. It was a good book. I recommend it. Four stars. Cool. Excellent. Enjoy by Emmy Yagi. Hmm. And that is my last completed read for the week. Okay, cool. Other than that, I have one DNF to currently reading. I actually forgot about this, but I actually also have a DNF. You should be very proud of me. Very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah, which I'm actually going to talk about now. Okay. Because you're going to be proud of me for two reasons. So I started reading The King's Speech because that was my choice for the buzzwords word for September because it had to be like a game related word and I had figured like king, chess piece, you know, playing card, you know, it's a common word in games. And it turned out to be not... So basically the movie of The King's Speech came out just before this book did. And the book is actually an expanded biography of Lionel Loke, the speech therapist. And the interesting parts of his life were in the movie. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, all respect to the man and to his family. At this point in my life, and like, especially when I was in the middle of Wisdom Tooth Recovery, I just was not, it just was not the time Right. Happens. And I've put this book off for so long, I don't think it's ever going to be the time. So I've DNF'd it and I'm unholing it. So you should be very proud of me. I've DNF'd a book. It's the first time, I think, uh, ever. Oh my God. Amazing. Yes. Well, love that. Maybe not ever, (laughs) ever, but at least, you know, since I started using Storygraph and stuff like that. It happens. It happens. The other reason you should be very proud of me is that I replaced that book on that particular buzzwords challenge with The Hunger Games. No way. No way. And you read it? Are you currently reading it? I listened to it. And okay. I loved it. Oh, yes. Yes. It's so good. Oh, thank God. Thank God. I'm so excited. I loved it so much. <laughs> 
It was a five-star read. It was exactly what I needed at that time too, because like mid wisdom tooth recovery, I just could not, like I was just starting to get my brain back enough that I could read something. Like I could listen to something. But I I might read it. I was so... (laughs) I was so happy I picked that because it was just what I needed at that time was something that had such a high intrigue factor that Mm -hmm. it just absolutely did not need me to concentrate. It did the hooking of my brain for me and I loved it. Yes. I loved it. Yes. I'm so happy. I'm so, so happy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, okay. Are you moving on to the rest of the series? Are you watching the movie? Are you taking a break? What's the plan? I will read the rest of the series, listen to the rest of the series. They're all unscribbed, which is great. So nice and easy there. I'm listening to the the, like Tatiana Maslany, Maslany, Maz, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I'm listening to her audiobooks, the like newer ones. Just a warning, Songbirds and Snakes is not as good. I have heard this, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know me. Yeah, no, it's still worth reading. It's still worth reading. You'll still have fun with it. I think there's still something there. It just was, it was a little disappointing. But this is perfect timing also for the movie, the Songbirds and Snakes movie coming out in November. Oh, I didn't even know that was a movie coming. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Even though I didn't love the book, like I'm still excited for it. I'm definitely not reading them all before then because as you'll hear when I get to the challenge section, I have so many books to read in October. Mm. and the Hunger Games books are not among them unfortunately because I just didn't have space for them but once I've finished my all my October reads I probably will get back to them because really really enjoyed that good I'm so so glad I'm so it's such a beautiful well-told story yeah and the thing is even though it does suffer slightly from 16 year old who sounds like 40 year old it gives a reason for it (laughs) Like, she's been forced to grow up early. Like, it doesn't feel like a problem, you know? And right. because of that, I don't have to deal with something that I'm going to talk about in my next finished book, which is irritating teen in a YA. So, you know, win-win. You know, this is something I've actually been thinking about recently. I think that when there's that issue of, like, a teenager who sounds too old, a lot of the time, I think it's adult authors in a way translating the young adult voice because you know like teenagers or like preteens or like people in their adolescence have these really complex Mm. experiences and ideas and like things that they're unpacking Mm. and the way they do it in their language doesn't always convey for an older audience the depth yeah you know and so I think to a degree, like, I think the same situation is for, like, a lot of John Green books and 100%. stuff. Yep. You know, like, it's not that he doesn't know what a teenager sounds like. It's not that he doesn't know that teenagers don't talk like that. It's that he sees the weight mm-hmm. of teenage conversations in the same light as, like, the conversations mm-hmm. he's having in, the, in his books. And I think that's yeah, similar agree. to the situation in The Hunger Games. I agree. And I think that's what yeah. makes a lot of YA, like, really strong. Like, mm-hmm. that's, sometimes a strong YA can be still using like a teenage voice but it can it's harder it's definitely yeah. harder to do a good job or like make it feel authentic and in have depth yeah so yes that's one of my uh, make <laughs> make nina happy list ticked off as well yeah i'm so excited i'm so <laughs> excited for this journey especially because there are controversial opinions like this this might be a controversial opinion like some people didn't like the second or third one you mm. know like trilogies are hard second one in a trilogy is usually mm. the roughest i would say just typically however i would argue that they're all quite strong and this one is nice because it has and this is the only one i rated a full five star mm. review for because it has a story that can really like 
hold up in just one book you know like, I was you don't to say, necessarily like, need one of the, the reasons other ones. that I don't feel like I necessarily need to immediately start the next one is like this felt like a really good standalone book as well so like yeah I will read the others I definitely will but that was one of the reasons I didn't necessarily feel like I must make this fit into one of my challenge prompts for this you know I must right like find any way to squeeze it into a challenge prompt somehow like I was like nah it doesn't fit I'll I'll, I'll just wait you know <laughs> I think so the second two those two are more like you kind of have to read them together okay. I think because things ramp up and you, you need to know how it ends you know so you will you'll want to like fit those into the same sort Good of challenge time period I will keep that in mind thank you once once the second one starts it's like it just keeps going you know um, which is thank crazy you. and I think I think that's why a lot of people if they didn't like the second one then they didn't like the third one or like mm. vice versa like it, it kind of comes as a package deal or like maybe they were looking for this satisfaction of the first one and the second two deal more with like the reality of the, the situation yeah the, right the aftermath yeah. uh, well okay not necessarily the aftermath because so the first book is like one story within the history of this world yeah. and the second two books are more about a major event in the history of this world so right. like I don't okay. know I can't say anything so okay. like oh, never mind <laughs> so like it's it's bigger and more intense and has like more complex themes I think like this is just like scraping the surface and that like mm. really digs deep and I think it's maybe not as surface level enjoyable okay. because it's not as like it's light and satisfying. I mean, not, not okay. that Hunger Games is light, but you know what I mean. Like, it, there's something about it that like you can have. It's it's more fun. I would say yes. it's more fun. Yeah, it's but the others like <laughs> a quick, like it's like a quicker, very engrossing, engaging read. Yeah, yeah. The others are also engrossing and engaging, but I think it's just because they're heavier. Mm. It can be a little bit more intense, you know, and they reflect real life or like make you tie in real life to the story. Oh, okay. A, well, that just way. makes me more intrigued. If anything, like, because I mean, you know me, I'm not super into the adventurous. I'm more into the like meaty stuff so that if anything that mm -hmm. actually makes me more interested in it <laughs> i think you, i think you will like it especially if you go into it with an academic mindset you know like mm. trying to look for the intellectual conversation because it's kind of like she's responding not only to the story and like continuing mm. the, the narrative but she's trying to sort of like make a statement on like dystopian literature mm. in a larger sense and like how it connects to the real world and like what does revolution actually mean and what's nice actually look like it's really really fascinating uh, nice. i think she does a really good job of it cool nice um, i'm excited while also making it an enjoyable story thank you for making me finally read this <laughs> i'm so i'm so happy that you liked it i'm so happy that you liked it i was fully, <laughs> literally i was fully prepared to go my whole life just going ah, i missed that train <laughs> Yeah, and I, I was also fully prepared for you to read it and not like it because it's YA and because it's like adventure story sci-fi. I don't dislike but... YA. I don't know why you've got that in your head. <laughs> I, John Green is one of our like combination favorite authors. I don't know why you have this in your head that I don't like YA. <laughs> This is true. This is true. I think it's a specific type of YA that I associate that you not liking, but like YA that isn't as good. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. Harry Potter and John Green, uh, you know, top books, top books of both of yeah. us. So like <laughs> YA has its place. Absolutely. I completely, you know, and the Cherub series and the Skullduggery Pleasant series are two YA series you haven't even read. And they're like some of my favorites. <laughs> so mm, okay. Good that being know. said, you have to look into those. That being said, I haven't reread them <laughs> so i can't oh, right right <laughs> i can't vouch for them technically because we both know what happens when you vouch for ya books uh we get we get a shadow me scenario <laughs> so oh 
still not over that. Still so frustrated about that. Why? Anyway, why? Why? Moving on swiftly. Moving on. I'm going to talk about my <laughs> other YA while we're still on the YA train, because why not? The other YA book I literally just finished the other day was a quite new book. It's only been published recently, but it was the Mooney's Book Club pick for this month, actually, for October. <laughs> a Study in Drowning by Ava Reed. Now, <laughs> I have very mixed feelings about this one. It was not like something I didn't enjoy reading. It was incredibly thoroughly meh. Like it was just a very mediocre book. I gave it a 3.5, which is just a very thoroughly mm-hmm. mediocre middle book. Middle of the road. Very middle of the road for me. Yeah. The thing is, the main character is an 18-year-old with anxiety and other traumas and stuff, which tough stuff could be good except it wasn't they somehow managed to portray her as whiny and annoying and i hate that because (laughs) as someone who was an 18 year old with anxiety and mental health issues i don't want to have that reflected back at me (laughs) right was i probably whiny and annoying i don't know probably But, like, I don't really like having that reflected back at me in the protagonist. And also, at the same time, she's someone who's, like, really attractive and men keep constantly hitting on her. And it's like, you can't have both. Yeah, both. (laughs) Well, I would also argue that that's a very clear, for me, reflection that the author does not take adolescent issues seriously. You know, because even Mm -hmm. when a teenager is on the surface level being annoying, you know, with their anxiety, their anxiety comes from a real significant place. So if I don't think she's meant to be annoying is the thing. I don't know. I don't think she's meant to be annoying. Mm. That's the other problem, I think. But like so many of the people in the group are finding her annoying. (laughs) I don't know whether that's. I think a lot of us were just having trouble remembering that she was 18 was the other problem. Mm. The few people in the chat who were remembering that she was 18 didn't find her annoying, but the rest of us, which is, to be fair, a lot of us, were all just kind of going, eh, kind of want to just... Like, one person actually said, like, I kind of just want to throw her out the window at this point. I'm like, okay, that's a bit much. (laughs) It's just a weird thing where it's like, I don't mind dislikable protagonists if they're meant to be dislikable, but I don't think she was meant to be. I think I'm meant to like her, and I don't. And then, like, it's also just really cheesy. You can tell the second you meet him who the love interest is, and, like, every single plot point I was able to pick from a mile away. And I don't mind that normally if there's other things about the book that are good. But, like... Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, it was just very mediocre all the way around. Other people in the book club are enjoying it more. And like I said, it wasn't like a slog to read. Like, I didn't dislike it. I just have nothing to actively recommend about it. The story itself is good. The plot and the logic and whatnot, apart from the fact that I saw it all coming because of how the writing's done, the story itself is actually quite good. It's a dark academia crossed with a dark fairy tale vibe. The story itself I actually quite enjoyed and the intrigue factor was there again until I started figuring out the plot. But it was just a weird thing where it's like, I'm enjoying this but not enough to not roll my eyes every now and again when certain like YA catchphrases (laughs) come up like she let go of a breath she didn't know she was holding and all that kind of stuff (laughs) you know whereas in a book that's written really well those lines come up and I don't notice them so Mm -hmm. it's unfortunately not a winner not a winner for me understandable not a loser but definitely not a winner a book it's a book it was there yeah (laughs) 
Shall I share with you my DNF Please. of the week? It was a funny one. I was really disappointed that I had to DNF this one. I guess I didn't have to. It was quite short. It was only like a four hour long mm. audiobook. Yet I still managed to DNF it. So the book I DNF'd is called Kiss Me in the Coral Lounge, Intimate Confessions from a Happy Marriage by Helen Ellis. Hmm. And you know me, I love my stories of long marriage, <laughs> you know, <laughs> accounts of love. I think that eventually I'm going to have a shelf on my bookshelf at home that's just like books about long marriage and love because I think that's just so interesting to me and I love it love it love love anyway <laughs> anyway so this book didn't quite meet my expectations which was so disappointing because mm. I was really excited for it it just sounded like a sweet story I mean it's a non-fiction account of her own marriage but essentially my problem with it was that instead of having a lot of like deeper reflections or more like concrete, not that I'm looking for concrete answers on how to have a long relationship. It's more just like actually like experiences, you know, to like learn. Because I find that I learn so much about interpersonal dynamics from reading, even mm. in fiction, you know? And so I think it's even more interesting when I'm reading specifically about someone who has this like lens of thinking about like long marriage. And it wasn't really about her marriage in the way that I wanted it to be. Mm. It was kind of just like random little tidbits about her life. It kind of felt like she is that sort of estranged aunt you see on random holidays who will talk at you about her life that you didn't really ask for, you know? And it's like semi-entertaining enough to like keep you listening, but you are also kind of looking for an excuse to get out of the conversation. <laughs> oh, you know, dear. like that's really how it felt. Um, okay. Like she went on for, I think, literally 10 minutes of this four hour audiobook reading the note that she leaves to her cat sitter specifying all of the intricate details of how her cats need to be taken care of. I was like, <laughs> what does this have to do with marriage? And I don't care. I'm sorry. Like, I love cats. This is very cute in theory. I just wasn't expecting it and it went on for way too long. That's like, interesting. <laughs> yeah. It was like this one's old and he likes to be fed on this table and the other one, she can only be fed like three times a day and like don't leave the window open i was like what why do i need this like what is this and there were like some like reflections on marriage but they were kind of too specific mm. to be interesting reflections right yeah. you know and there's weren't that many of them to be honest and so when i was reading it the voice and the, it was narrated by the author on the audiobook she sounded older like i don't know i was expecting that she was maybe like in her 60s or something and i thought that might be more interesting like even if it's like a literal old lady told you stories like i love i love that i love when a little old lady tells me stories about her life even if they're silly and don't really make a lot of sense or aren't necessary but then i looked her up like halfway through listening to this and feeling like sort of mixed about it and saw that she's like 40 something years old i was like i'm sorry i just don't care i don't care about this this is too much detail i don't think you i don't know like there's something intriguing about someone who's lived a really long time you know and like been in a relationship for a very long time and i mean she still has been in a long relationship a long marriage but like i don't know i kind of lost she lost credit when i realized that she was younger than i thought she was it was no longer endearing it was just kind of annoying yep <laughs> so yeah i dnf'd that because i was just like i had two hours left and I could have listened to it on two times speed 
and just had it be one hour. But like, I honestly just wanted to listen to music instead on the train. So that's what I did Yep. and didn't pick it up. And I don't think I will. Unfortunately, I think I also looked up like what her other books are. Cause I'm pretty sure she's a writer and this was like her nonfiction work. It seems that she has a lot of light, fluffy romance novels. It seems, I think, I don't know. I, this is purely assumption based on the covers, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> cover aesthetic, but they don't look like books I would be into. Mm. So it kind of makes sense. You know what I mean? Like I was listening to it while I was working on actually segues into an interesting tangent. I was listening to it while working on one of my books for my bookmaking class. Mm. And I'll tell Mm -hmm. you about the books I've been making in a second, but it was sufficient for that sort of process. I like to listen to audiobooks while I make art, but once I was like on the train and had nothing to do, but listen to her voice was not as interesting. So that's what happened there. As for the books, I might as well tell you a little bit about the books I've been making. I've Mm. made two books so far. I wish I had them to show you, but they're like with my teacher for grading. And one of them, the first book we were supposed to make was an accordion style book. You Mm -hmm. know, you've probably like made one of these before in school or something. I don't know. We just like fold up pages. (laughs) No, I remember I made one of these in like middle school for like an art assignment. Like it was some random thing that we were doing. If I did, I don't remember. I remember very little from my childhood. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like a special binding technique necessarily. It's just like a folded zigzag sort of pattern. But what was interesting about it was that we learned A, how to make hardcovers, which was fun, Mm. and attach the hardcovers to the accordion book. And B, I made a fortune teller. So when I was looking at this like style of book of like the folding, it kind of reminded me of those like, you know, those fortune tellers you played in like childhood where like, you know, the fingers, you like in and out, in and out, choose one thing. And then they're also called cootie catchers or like, uh, right. Yeah. The little origami paper things yeah exactly exactly so I was like maybe what if I like made a fortune teller out of this book and so that's what I did and then proceeded to tell my friends fortunes it was so much fun I even (laughs) went kind of hard into it like I mapped out so I I had like I don't know like 10 different questions like this or that type of questions and I mapped out like what personality I felt like certain answers had and then gave fortunes that matched those. And I don't know if it it's really like a, worked. It was choose like, your own adventure book. Yes. But it was sort of like targeted, you know, mm-hmm. like, okay, for instance, you had like birds or fish, mouth or lips, smoke or steam, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and based on the aesthetic of the different combinations you could have, there were like 16 different combinations you could have chosen from. I made a fortune for nice. each basically. Nice. So that was very fun. It's like a old fashioned BuzzFeed quiz. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hard exactly. copy BuzzFeed quiz. I would love to tell your fortune once I have my book back. Um, and I'll also be able to send you pictures of the books that I've made. Nice. And then the second book is a pamphlet style book mm. using a very simple, sort of like a figure eight stitch, you know, oh. just like sewn up vertically along the spine and what I did for that one was I went to this district in Tokyo where there are a ton of bookstores just like every store is a bookstore back to back to back and each of them have different themes it's really cool I mean most of them are like only like in Japanese Mm. like the books are only Japanese but some of them have English books and I was just walking around trying to find some like old looking English books for this project there was like one that had cat books one that had drama or like theater or like movie cinema you know books and and then another one that had math and science books. And that's the one I went into sort of randomly. It was just like the first one I saw that had English books. So I went.
went in and I got two books from that. I got one called Mimicry and Butterflies and then the other one on the chemistry of allopathy, which is like how plants communicate with each other huh. through like their root systems, hmm. you know, and different like hormones and stuff. Okay. And I was like, both kind of have some sort of like metaphorical resonance, you know, let's see what I can do with this. I started working on the Mimicry and Butterflies one because it just had prettier paper and it had more texture and it was a little bit more yellowed and it had nicer like font and stuff. Mm. It was very much like traditional looking book that like was more like novel-esque. It was also written for a broader audience, like beyond butterfly specialists. So it had more colloquial language and it was very like romanticizing the butterfly. So like it was just well written, like had a lot of pretty words that I Mm. could use for like blackout poetry or something, which was sort of my idea. Mm. And then I started working on that and doing some blackout poetry and a story was emerging Mm. and it's a classic story. I actually, maybe I should read you a little excerpt and see if you can guess. So I was doing some blackout poetry and I started seeing some combinations of words in poems that felt familiar, that felt like a classic story that I've Mm -hmm. heard before or read before, I should say. And I think what I'm going to be doing for this one, which will be my third book, is rewriting the entire story in blackout poetry from the Minimum Green Butterflies book. Mm. And I've gotten about a third of the way through, maybe a fourth of the way through, and it's already quite long. So this is going to be quite a project, but I'm excited to work on it some more because I had a really good time with it. And I was originally going to have it be my second book, but it just didn't work out for the format. And so I dropped it for a different idea, but it'll be my third book. Okay. Ready? Sounds really cool. I'm curious. It, it It's very abstract, so you might not get it, and that's totally fine, mm-hmm. but I'll give you a few lines and you can tell me what you think. Two regions, peculiarly interesting, paralleled by each other. Several intersecting lines encourage the female wonderfully close to the male. Through stringent and distasteful family, their existence has arisen and flowered. That's the introduction. These forms sound conclusions producing the appearance one called The Design of Superior Authors. But the days of striking the other have been suddenly restricted. When rejected, the young insect refused that means of indicating preference. He, in that wild state, was so somber. On a rare chance, the butterflies were brought together. From separate parts, each impression welcomed to converge with altered rhythm, so full of some ancient, most perfect resemblance on the part of would-be enemies. Only to be an impossible future, those butterflies immune to the nature of enemies. Romeo and Juliet? Yeah! Nice! (laughs) Isn't that so crazy? I mean, it's not like, obviously not a perfect translation, but like, I just like heard things like, would-be enemies? I was like, no way. I mean, honestly, from the first couple of lines with like, two worlds. Yeah, exactly. And stuff, I I straight away was like, hmm. So that's the prologue in Act 1, and a little bit of Act 2, I think. And I recently rewatched the 1996, or 97, is it? Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet with Mm. Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes. Love that movie. Such a good movie. So I got excited about Romeo and Juliet and like, started working on this. And I think I'm gonna finish that up for my next book. Although in the meantime, I just didn't have enough time to finish it and it didn't work for the format. So I did a different book for my second submission and that was on the chemistry of allopathy. And I just sort of did some like random blackout poetry and like artsy drawing stuff. Cause basically I brought this Romeo and Juliet idea into school like the day before it was due and was working on it in class. And I went to my teacher being like, 
I don't know if this structure works for this bookbinding technique. And she was like, you could make it work. However, it would be better for the next one. So why don't you just start over fresh for mm. a submission due tomorrow? And I was like, cool, bet. Sounds good. Let's do it. <laughs> awesome. Great. <laughs> so yeah, that's how bookbinding is going. Great. In short, great. I love it. <laughs> sounds like I could actually see myself doing a lot of book art in the future. I was about to say, it sounds like a fantastic creative outlet for you. Like your eyes are like glowing just talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm really, really loving it. This could be a new project for you. Like I'm sure people would buy this stuff. Yeah, it, like, it's like zines, you know, you could sell zines yeah. at zine fairs and such. I love collecting zines myself and I've never like created my own zine, but... I don't know. We'll see. I could see myself going into like creating book art as like a hobby, mm. but also potentially doing like book restoration, paper restoration as like an extension of my career or mm. like some form of like book art publishing, you know, if I want to go yeah. the publishing direction. I don't know. Like, I think this is a really, this is sort of revitalizing my sense of like concern over the fact that like my interest in potentially going in a publishing route is so different from mm. my art background and finding like There's an intersection. Them. Yeah, you found There's it. There's a way to combine everything. Yeah. Truly. That's awesome. Oh, I'm so pleased. Yes, so me cool. too, me too. So what are you currently reading? I'm currently reading, so I'm doing the month long, well, <laughs> so the Audrey read along, is it's a bit interesting this month. So instead of one book, we're doing a Oscar Wilde readathon, like just a bunch of different Oscar Wilde stuff. Cool. But at the moment, we're reading The Picture of Dorian Gray, which I did only read last year. However, I didn't realize until Audrey communications informed me of this that most versions and definitely the version I read are like an updated version and they're not actually the original that he wrote they're actually like a version that was kind of changed and extended but also a little censored and this original version is even gayer and <laughs> the queerness is even is like all the censoring of the queer stuff is just not there at all like it's just his original how he originally wrote it and the Audrey guide is fantastic for this one so far at least I mean I'm only halfway through it but it's really good and I'm really enjoying the experience of reading this particular copy of it because just for context when I read the picture of Dorian Gray originally the later more extended version I gave it four stars like I was like yeah this is good but it's you know it's fine this one already is on track to be probably closer to 4.5 like I'm really enjoying it so it's amazing the difference it makes there's not that many changes but it's enough to have really changed my view on it and like just the tone and the pacing is just so much better in this original one in my opinion at least so yeah I'm really enjoying it so far and I'm really enjoying the experience of the Audrey guide for this one and I can really really recommend checking out the Audrey version that's so interesting I did mm -hmm. not know this before very good to know because this is yeah. the book it's been on my list for a while so I'll yeah. definitely be checking it out with Audrey once I get to it. Yeah, I'm also reading, just started this one, so I have less to say, but The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. This is for another challenge I'm doing, which I'll talk about later in the challenge section. It's a middle grade Neil Gaiman book. It's pretty cute so far, a few funny moments. But yeah, I've basically just started it, just read a few chapters, so we'll see how it goes. How about you? What are you Sounds currently good. reading? I am currently reading two books. I've continued with Lapvona, which... Okay. <laughs> 
This I is only have a while, an huh? hour. <laughs> it's really taking a while. <laughs> I, I've gotten to an interesting place where I fully embrace the fact that I do not like it. It's <laughs> bad. There is nothing redeemable oh, about this book. I don't care about the characters. I don't care about the world. It's just disgusting for mm. the sake of being disgusting. I don't know why I'm not DNFing Because it. you've tried too hard now. It's you, you, You've given so I'm much just, of your time to it now. It's, you can't give up. Part of me just really wants to be able to give it a rating, like a bad mm-hmm. rating, yeah. you know? And I can't do that if I've DNF'd it. Mm-hmm. So that's, like, I think my motivation. Um, I get that. I do get that. Yep. <laughs> I will very, like, very rarely DNF a book if I'm not enjoying it. The only times in my life I've ever DNF'd a book, which is the most recent one and, like, a few times when I was very much younger, are, like, when I'm just too bored to want to continue. Right, exactly. That's how I feel often as well. Like, that's how I felt about Kiss Me in the Coral Lounge. Like, it's not that I hated it. It was just that I didn't it care. It wasn't worth your you time. Know? Yeah. It wasn't worth my time. Yeah. Whereas this, like, I want to be able to say I read it. Yeah. To not only be able to rate it, but also to have, like, a firm stance on how exactly. I feel about it. Yep. And I was really holding out for a while, thinking, like, it'll come around, and even if I don't enjoy it on, like, the surface, it'll have some, like, level of intrigue or depth that I can appreciate. And I can confirm now, with an hour left in the audiobook, I really don't think so. I think it's just upsetting. I'm, like, wondering how a woman wrote this book because it just is so dirty. It's just so dirty, like, in every sense of the word. Hey, women can be dirty, too. Equal opportunity, dirty. Equal opportunity, dirty, yes, but also, like, this does the girls dirty, you know? That that's that's how I'm feeling about it. Right. I don't know. It's just repulsive. It's just there's nothing here. What am I reading this for? Like for example, most recently there's a character who plucked his own pube and ate it. Why? For why? Tell me why. Like I this is I do I need to be reading this? I don't need to be reading it. I don't, why am I still reading it? I don't know. But I'm gonna finish it probably this week because I want to be done with it and I want yep. to like move on fully. Yeah, move yeah. on from this book. I'm still going to read anything else she puts out, I think, mm. because I do appreciate her skill as a writer. Mm. I think this, however, was either generously a way of her laughing at, you know, the way a lot of artists do where they produce outrageous work to laugh at the audience and say, like, you will consume whatever I put out because I've gained a certain mm. level of prestige. That's maybe what she's doing, if I'm being generous. I mean... On the other end, I feel like it's possible she just wrote this and she just doesn't care about how it's perceived or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what could motivate you. Like, what makes you want to get in the mindset of writing this? Maybe it's, like, some sort of perverse challenge to herself or something. Mm. I, I really... Look, possibly. Possibly. You know, Maybe do it you? is a statement about, why, like, though? men have been writing gross things all this time, so why can't I... Who knows? Right. Who knows? I mean, <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, women can think higher than this. Mm. You know? Like, I'm not saying that, like, every single woman is inherently intelligent based on her womanhood. However, I would say that, like, the experience of being a woman gives you a certain level of complexity that, like, challenges you in life. I, I think there's something there. I just think maybe, like, men write gross things without depth. 
because they can, but I don't think women need to. No, and okay, not actually don't need to make I don't need to make a statement on the fact that like she's a woman writing this book. Like I don't yeah. think that's necessary. It's more like I feel personally let down by her as a writer <laughs> and as a sister. You know, like <laughs> why did she do this to me? Um, regardless of who wrote this book, I think it's disgusting and mm. not very redeemable. I really wanted to believe there was something there. Also, mm. being let down on the whole magical realism element, maybe I'm missing it because maybe I'm like halfway checked out when I'm listening to it, but I'm not catching any magical realism. Mm. Where is that coming from? Okay. I don't know why they labeled it that on Storygraph. Interesting. But anyway. It'll be interesting. <sighs> I'm almost done. It'll be interesting once you get to the end of it to maybe like look at some of the positive reviews and see what people saw in it. That's what my instinct always is when I've read a book that has done nothing for me as like, what did people like about this? That's usually my go-to. If it's a book that I found meh, I won't, but like if it's something I actively hated, I will often like look at the positive reviews and be like, now what did people actually see in this? Just because I'm fascinated. That's what I did after you told me about Damsel. I was like looking at the good reviews, like what did people like about this? Because the storyline you told me was so weird. I was like, what did people like? I'm actually inspired to look at these reviews right now. And I'm seeing a lot of people just saying generally that it was intriguing and compelling. Right. I don't think, maybe hot take, I don't know. I don't think intriguing and compelling can carry a story. Like, mm. I think intriguing and compelling can, like, bring you to a book. But there's got to be something there, right? Like, mm. so I don't understand. I'm, I'm not relating... To these reviews i'm seeing one person that like gave three stars which is i would say generous personally who literally says nobody asked me what happened in this book but if they did i couldn't tell you <laughs> it was gruesome and horrific there's so many times i had to physically close the book was it good i don't know don't ask me <laughs> well Rude. we'll talk about it more when you finished it but safe to yeah, say i think definitely it's not probably probably not gonna be redeemed by the last hour but you never know yeah probably not <laughs> We'll see. I have one more currently reading, which is another kind of freaky book. Mm. Astral Season, Beastly Season. I remember you hauling this one a while ago. Yes. It's another Japanese translated one, right? It is. is it's it, translated. Is, oh, is this the weird murder one? Mm-hmm. It is. Okay. I remember so the... I remember freaking out about the premise of this one. <laughs> oh, it's it's super cool. Okay, so it's written by Tahi Sayate, translated by Kalau Alamoni. Hopefully I'm pronouncing those names semi-correctly. But anyway, it's the one that follows these two boys who are obsessed with this J-pop idol who turns out to kill and dismember her boyfriend and they take the fall for her. Yeah. Yeah. Freaky. Freaky. I was kind of like just wanting something a little bit more exciting and maybe fast paced mm. because Diary of a Void was definitely intriguing, but it still managed to be pretty medium, maybe slow paced, yeah. um, slow burn type mm. of book. So I was looking for something a bit faster paced and more exciting. And I would say I'm getting that I would say, like I was sort of hinting at earlier in our discussion, the translation of this one, while clearly very like authentic to the original writing, I don't know if it does justice to what the story could be in mm -hmm. the English language, you know? I think if it was written with a little bit more flair, mm. you know, or a little bit more embellishment on the translator's part, it would be a lot easier for me to actually get in the minds of and understand the main characters. Mm. I'm only not even 50 pages in, right. so <laughs> I don't have a strong idea of like my feelings on the book yet, but I am enjoying it so far, despite maybe my opposition to the translation mm. style. 
like plot wise, character wise, I'm intrigued mm-hmm. and want to read more. Cool. So I'm kind of anticipating it having a similar sort of feeling as Diary of a Void, just simply based on the fact that it follows a similarly unreliable and unsettling main character mm. and has a similar sort of choppy tone, mm-hmm. you know? Both those elements will make it difficult for me to have like personal attachment mm. and also like not personally being a J pop listener myself mm-hmm. might hinder my experience but unless it's well i mean you can uh, you can relate it to you like being a swifty in that this is true yeah this is true like i like understand you, like you, don't, you don't have like a music obsession of some kind right right this is true i mean i do in general love fandom as a mm. phenomenon and love like finding community among yeah. strangers based on fandom or any kind of obsession like that yeah so i think there's definitely something i can relate to in the concept of it but mm. like obviously they're taking it too far yeah. you know <laughs> so it, it's like inherently unrelatable but at the same time i anticipate it being a well-developed story just based on the fact that the author came up with such a creative concept mm-hmm. so that kind of puts it on track to be like a you know recommendable but not personally attached four-star read mm-hmm. however who knows i'm only not even a fourth of the way into it so mm. we'll see cool sounds yeah. good those are all my books for the week i have not hauled any new books other than the mimicry and allopathy books um, yeah. <laughs> and i don't think i have any tbr i guess my tbr is like my next book which is kokoro which nice. I told you about already, nice. and that's my Sozaki. Cool. Yeah, my yeah. whole basically just consists of the various Audrey copies of Oscar Wilde books that I'm going to be talking about over the next few weeks, so I'm not going to bother <laughs> listing them here. They will come up. Actually, they will come up in the challenge section I'm about to talk to because I just realized that the Listen with Audrey read-alongs have essentially become a new book club for me, so <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to just talk about them in the challenge section that I'm about to enter right now. So... Sounds good. Quick scarf update. I'm very behind on my crochet updates, but by the time this episode is actually <laughs> edited and published, I'm sure I will have a photo for you guys. So yeah, check the MJ album for that. Okay, so buzzwords. As previously stated, I replaced the King's Speech for game-related words with The Hunger Games, and I'm so glad I did that. For October, the prompt is like magic-related words. Editor's note, yes, this episode is coming out closer to the start of December than the start of October. I'm so sorry. I promise we have a backlog plan in place. I'm working on it. I'm so, so sorry. I had to try really hard (laughs) to try different words within the books I already own, and the one I ended up landing on was the Eve illusion. Illusion close enough (laughs) to magic and charm and stuff like that, which is the second book in the Eve of Man trilogy. Now, I've been putting off reading this for a while because the third book in the trilogy has been put off the publishing date, like, so many times, and... I kind of didn't want to read the second one until I knew for sure that the third one is actually going to come out. But I figure, you know what, might as well read it if it's the prompt. And it's now been so long since I read the first one that I barely remember it. So I don't think it's going to matter how long a gap it is between number two and three because I've already left such a big gap between one and two. So like, we'll just see what happens, I guess. They have to come out with it eventually. (laughs) They said it was going to be a trilogy. They have to do it eventually, right? (laughs) Right? Yep. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) They signed a life and death contract. (laughs) Yep, that's how it works. So, 
Oh, I forgot to say, that trilogy is by Tom and Giovanna Fletcher, husband and wife team, they write it together. The Gumption Club book for September was the reader on the 627, gave that one four stars. The October read, the voting actually ended up with it being Northanger Abbey, Hmm. so I kind of have a month off for the Gumption Club because I've read that very recently, I read that just last year, and as much as I wouldn't mind reading it again, I have lots of other books to read, (laughs) so I'm not gonna, don't feel like it, so too (laughs) soon for a reread of that one. (laughs) did read it very recently, so that was uh, 4.5 last year, if my memory serves me. Reading Around the World, still on hiatus, unfortunately. Mooney's Book Club, September, was Sign Here by Claudia Lux, which I gave 4.5 stars. October, pick is A Study in Drowning, which I've already read, given 3.5 stars. The Year in Aldia for September, I decided to choose the path of Go on a Date, which is read a book with romance in it. That fit in well with the reader on the 627, so that's all done. Now, for the first time ever, (laughs) my Year in Aldia prompt does not fit any books that I'm reading this month and I cannot double it up, which is annoying because I already have a lot of other books to read this month, (laughs) but that's okay. So my October path for The Adventure in Eldia was to Stargaze, which is read a book with stars on the cover. And in amongst all the books I own, I ended up picking a little, you know, the horrible history books? No. Is this a very British and Australian thing? Probably. Maybe. For those who do know, there's a series called Horrible Histories. There's also a series called Horrible Science. And they're these little, like, kids' books that are, like, non-fiction explainers, basically. And they're full of images. And they make science and history interesting by focusing in on a lot of the more, like, gross parts and stuff like that. It's just, you know, funny takes on history and science, basically. But they really are... Oh, that's funny. They are aimed at kids and they're quite short. But I own, like, the full collection of horrible histories, the older ones at least. And I own several of the horrible sciences as well. And another series called Dead Famous, (laughs) which is along the similar line. And one of the horrible science books is called Space Stars and Slimy Aliens. So I'll be reading that one because I haven't read it yet. It's been in my shelves since I was a child. So I will (laughs) read that one. I mean, once again, that's what these types of prompt challenges are for, is to get me around to reading these books that have been on my shelves forever and I just don't get around to them otherwise. So Cute. That actually sounds like it could be an interesting one. Yeah. I love space science. So I, I, I imagine it'll be a fun learning experience. Yeah, it'll also be really fun to see how much of it's still accurate <laughs> these days, right. like, especially the science ones, because you know the history ones don't tend to change much, but the science ones, right? Mm, science changed a lot, especially with the new James Webb telescope and everything. <laughs> For Audrey, so this month we're reading *The Picture of Dorian Gray*, *The Portrait of Mr. W. H.*. Lord Arthur something or other. I can't remember the rest of that title and unfortunately I've written it so poorly I can't actually read it. My handwriting is very illegible when it's written this small. Whoops, my bad. Arthur Savile something or other. I can't remember. I'm sorry. Editing me will <laughs> we'll put it in here. <laughs> Editor's note, it's Lord Arthur Savile's crime. The Canterville Ghost and The Model Millionaire and Other Stories which is like a three-story collection on Audrey. So lots of Oscar Wilde this month. And I'm also doing a seven-book readathon 
this month. Oh my goodness. Which is like spooky themed for Halloween. And this is running through the Fantasy Fellowship, which is a, it's like, a, I mean, it's a Discord server, but it also, they, they have an Instagram account as well, Fantasy underscore Fellowship. I'll link to them in the show notes for anyone who's interested in checking them out because they run all sorts of fun like cons and online Fantasy Fellowship cons and all sorts of challenges and <laughs> fun stuff like that. It's not just for people who read fantasy books, but there is like a, you know, bent in that direction. So for sci-fi and fantasy. But basically the challenge is called Monster Manor and you can choose either normal mode or I can't remember what the other mode was called. It's like normal mode or like extreme mode or something like that. <laughs> there's there's two different modes. I chose normal mode. Normal mode. Yeah, yeah. sounds like a <laughs> It was either seven books or fourteen books if you wanted to do because basically there's seven rooms in Monster Manor and each room has two prompts. If you do normal mode you can choose one of the two prompts in each room and if you do the other mode you have to do both prompts you have to start in the vampire room but then you can explore whatever other rooms you like in any other order so i've already completed the vampire entrance room because one of the prompt options was a dark academia or similar themes book which for me was a study in drowning the other option prompt was a book with blood in the title or on the cover for people who are interested in knowing that. (laughs) Room number two is the mummy room, which is either a book featuring Halloween monsters or a book inspired by mythology or set in a hot climate. For this, I've gone with Dracula, which is a long book, but I do have the Audrey copy of it, so I feel like I'll probably enjoy listening to that one. Next up is the zombie room, which is either a book with skulls on the cover or an easy no-brains-required book slash a book that is brain-melting, like an info-dumpy book. So, like, there's kind of two ways to interpret that. I've gone with the easy no-brains-required and chosen one of the many, many Morris Gleitzman books I own, who's, like, an Australian kids' book author. He writes fantastic kids' books that are actually really funny if you read them as a slightly older reader, because <laughs> there's a lot of adult references in there that you don't even notice when you're a kid. <laughs> but the book I've chosen from there is called Grace... Witch Room, the prompts are a book with a nature or witchy items on the cover or a book with a magic system. For this, I've chosen Two Twisted Crowns, which is the sequel to One Dark Window, which I read a couple of months ago. July. More than a couple of months ago. Wow. Um, (laughs) My, how the year has flown. That (laughs) book actually comes out later this month, so I'm going to have to wait until it is published, but, you know... I have other books to read in the meantime. Yeah. So, yes, that's the, the second in the duology of that one by Rachel Gillig. The Werewolf Room is a book with a moon in the title or on the cover, or a book with an animal companion slash magical creature slash shapeshifter. I've gone with a book with a moon on the cover, and I'm going to be reading a book that's been on my shelves for a really long time, and I just haven't gone around to reading, called The Life of a Teenage Body Snatcher by Doug McLeod. Then there's also Demon Basement, which is a book featuring the underworld, hell or afterlife, or a book that scares you. For this, I'm reading The Graveyard Book, which is my current read, and Ghost Attic, a book that's been haunting your TBR, or a book with white Mm. cover or edge. For this, I've picked The Happiest Refugee by Arne Doe, because this has been haunting my mental TBR for a bit over a decade. Um, (laughs) I have been wanting to read this autobiography 
ever since it came out and was put on my shelf by my dad who gifted it to me. And for some reason, I have not read it. And I don't know why. It just hasn't happened. Just the ultimate, like, the book that you just know you actually want to read but never get around to for no reason at all. So that's also... That's that's definitely things are changing. That's definitely haunting my TBR. So I have a lot of books to read. Also, <laughs> kind of an unofficial one because I don't know if I'm actually going to get around to it, but I probably will because I have a hold on an, on the audiobook in the library. But Lena Norms is hosting for her patrons a chat about her upcoming. So she has a series called No Books on a Dead Planet, and Ooh. it's basically and like it's it's actually becoming a podcast now rather than a YouTube series. The first season of it was a YouTube series, but now she's moving just to audio. And, and there's already a podcast set up for it that's like releasing the first season of it. So I would highly recommend that people check that out if you're interested definitely Nina you check it out it's a podcast where Lena talks to various guests about books that are either non-fiction books about the climate crisis or fiction books that feature climate themes and before the, the first episode of the new season is broadcast she has organized like a google meet chat for some patrons who want to have like a face-to-face book club chat with her which is really cool yeah and i am hoping to read that book which is going to be the uninhabitable earth life after warming by david wallace wells which seems like it's going to be really intimidating and terrifying but i do have a hold for it in my library for the audiobook so i probably will read that as well kind of wish i'd saved that as my demon basement book as a book that scares me but oh well we'll see if i get to all of these books this month i may have been a little optimistic yeah ambitious (laughs) i may have been a little ambitious the thing is i didn't read anywhere near as many actual main books in september as i wanted to because of the whole wisdom tooth thing right and so now i'm feeling really (laughs) gung-ho I'm just like, I just want to be reading all the time. (laughs) And yet we've finished the first week of October and I've only read one book. And so now I'm freaking out. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Are you going to like really exceed your book reading goal for the year? Oh, where are you at in your goal? Oh, I'm way ahead. I'm so far ahead. I <laughs> I can tell you. So my goal is 72. I've read 69. So I'm 96% of the oh, way yeah. through. I'm ahead by 14 books at the moment. So my, my yearly goal is just going to be smashed. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I did not expect my reading to take off this much <laughs> when we started the year. Yeah. I mean, I think both of us, honestly, yeah. like we had a pretty in year with yeah. with our books yep. and I would say a big part of that for me at least is thanks to the podcast 100%. and the motivation yeah. to you know read more books yep. by the end of the week <laughs> yeah a big part of that but also for me it's mostly been the online book clubs I've been joining I just keep joining mm-hmm. more and more of them it's a problem I may be over committing myself but that's okay because <laughs> I'm having a ball <laughs> Exactly. As long as I still have the brain space to edit, which I have not been doing. But that's, to be fair, mostly health related. So apologies again. Totally fair. No (laughs) one's upset. We are all just happy to be here with you when we can be. (laughs) Thank you. See, this is a big difference between us. You find the challenges like stifling and you just want to be reading whatever. I'm like, give me all the challenges. Just give give them to me. I want to have too many books to read. Give me so many prescribed books that I can't read the books that are in my next up list. (laughs) (laughs) Prescribed. 
<laughs> for months. That's that's how you know you're too much in the medical system. Use <laughs> <So laughs> prescribed casually. Is that? I think that's it. Cool. Yeah, I think that's it for this week. Great. All right. This is a long one. <laughs> yes. As tends to happen when we don't talk for a few weeks. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. We have been Books Without Borders. You can contact us at bookswithoutborderspod at gmail.com. That's bookswithoutborders, P-O-D, at gmail.com. You will find that email address and a list of every book that we mentioned in this episode in our show notes, along with the Imja album and a bunch of other stuff we mentioned as well and we will catch you next time thanks guys bye, bye.